0: Wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big QA. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, I'm pastor to the Brighton Seventh day Adventist Church. Right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide I'm also a presenter of Drive Time Every Tuesday and Wednesday It is such a privilege To be able to be with you On this fantastic uh, autumn day You know, here in in Adelaide I hear it's going to start to get a little bit cooler But uh, today, that's certainly not what it's like Uh, Now folks, uh, this week uh, We're going to be following the theme In the lead up to Easter uh, The cross is not enough Now of course the reason we've called at that is because the cross without the resurrection is not enough. And uh, so we're going to be really digging into this theme uh, all this week. Now, uh, this uh, week, uh, we answer some of those big Easter questions. Now, yesterday, uh, you might recall, uh, I led the, uh, uh, our Bible study and we looked at this question, did Jesus really exist? You know, this question is so core to everything that uh, Christianity, stands for and everything that it believes today we're going to be asking did the resurrection really happen uh you know the apostle paul a lot of people don't realize the apostle paul actually said that if the resurrection didn't happen then we should all uh, pack up and go home uh and put our evangelistic tools uh in uh, uh in the waste paper basket because uh the cross without the resurrection is of no value now tomorrow uh we're going to have my uh, my mate uh, Fabiano and Hugh Heenan these these guys really present a fantastic uh, program. I've listened to them a couple of times. Really appreciate what they uh, uh what they present. They're going to be talking about does the resurrection matter anyway? And they're going to be digging into why the issue of resurrection uh, does matter. This entire week is an Easter themed program. Now, to guide us through our discussion today, we're joined by our regular uh Wednesday coach. Host, and that's Pastor David Butcher. Now, David's the lead pastor of the Seventh day Adventist Church right here in South Oz. David, welcome aboard.
1: Good afternoon, Gary, and a uh, big hello to our listeners. It's been a quite a, quite some time. It's been a while since we've seen you. What have you been up to? Yeah, look, I had a look uh, back at my notes, and it was late February. So, uh, look, uh, sadly, um, I've been traveling quite a bit uh, away for 20 days of March. You were in, you were in America
0: or something yeah, there, weren't you? in the
1: United States of America, um, attending a Bible boot camping conference um, on church planting. And, um, yeah, that was pretty amazing and went to some other religious um, uh, functions and gatherings as well, and learning and, and networking. A real blessing.
0: Okay, okay, fantastic. Uh, tell me, are you still riding your bike?
1: Um, Gary, I'm not that I need to. I was speaking to someone about it yesterday, and I'm hoping to uh,
0: this Easter and get back into it. This Easter. So, of course, we've got a a big camp, we call it, a retreat on, mm. um, uh, just after uh, Easter. Uh, but at Easter, you're going to have some time off? Uh, probably, yeah. Over Easter, Struggle, well, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Ah, yeah. oh, that's good, that's good. Yeah. Well, look, let's come to our world watch uh, segment now. Uh, I've got a got a real beauty here for you, for you, David. I think that uh, this is uh, really worth us uh, picking up on. And folks, look, some of these uh, these articles you can actually get them uh, off the uh, off the internet. That's certainly where I get them get them from because I'm conscious that many churches uh, would really appreciate hearing uh, some of uh, some. Of of this this material now uh, today I want to just share with you a uh, the the most recent Barna release now of course Barna every year does a uh, uh, does some research it's entitled the American Worldview Inventory uh, this one's 2023 of course for for this year and uh, throughout the year they uh, release uh, about uh, uh, ten different releases spaced uh, uh, about two or three weeks uh, weeks apart and uh, this is released, two. And it's just come out, uh, March, uh, uh, March fourteen. So this is about two weeks, uh, two weeks old. This uh, this particular research, uh, but this one's entitled "Research Identifies the Best Starting Point for Developing a Biblical Worldview." Now, David, just let me share uh, what uh, what Barna does actually say. This is about an eight-page paper, but friends, it's really worth picking up on if you want to get it then just type into your uh, uh, browser Arizona Christian University and uh, what you're looking for there is the cultural Research Center and of course dr. judge George, George Barner uh, actually uh, heads up the Christian uh, the cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University and uh, this is what this uh, article says uh, Bible driven Christians uh, have a responsibility to live in harmony with with biblical principles and to help shape the worldview of their children in accordance with those same principles. Many adults, however, consider that challenge to be totally overwhelming. They often wonder where they can start in the process, given all the important life guidance that is contained within the Bible. The latest research from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University provides a simple response to that challenge. And I'm really impressed with this response, actually. It's based on empirical evidence. Uh, focusing on what lead researcher George Barner describes as the seven cornerstones of a biblical worldview, the new research identifies seven particular beliefs without which A person is very unlikely to develop a consistently biblical life of thought and action. More than four out of five adults who embrace these seven basic biblical teachings possess A biblical worldview. They see uh, their world through the eyes of Scripture. In comparison, only a relative handful of people who do not believe in these seven foundations hold a Biblical worldview. So uh, the question goes on, how can a person develop a biblical worldview? How can they successfully think and act like Jesus? The research shows that worldview clarity depends on the strength and purity of the foundation of the person's worldview. The new research persuasively shows that very few people are able to overcome the influence of competing perspectives unless they embrace all seven of the biblical cornerstone principles at one response to the seven cornerstones essentially determines one's ability and likelihood of developing a biblical mind and a biblical lifestyle. So of course the next question is what are uh, those uh, those seven uh, uh seven uh, uh cornerstones and I found these uh so so significant. What are, you know, this is covered in the uh, in the article. Cornerstone number 1 is an orthodox biblical understanding of God. Uh, A basic understanding of the existence and nature of God is crucial to, uh, is a crucial building block for a biblical worldview. Many worldviews do not believe in the existence of a higher power or a supreme being. Christianity is amongst the faiths that do. What distinguishes the God of heaven from other alleged deities? The Bible identifies some of his attributes as being the creator. Of all things, so this first statement, this first foundation, is there is an orthodox biblical understanding that a God exists and that He is the Creator of uh, of our world. Uh, the second cornerstone: all human beings are sinful by nature. Every choice we make as moral considerations and consequences. You know, when I read that, I sort of thought, hey, how true that is. You know, it's so it's so easy to uh uh push this thing called sin uh under the uh, proverbial under the rug. You know, under the carpet. Uh and it's something that's not mentioned very much even in preaching uh, today, but uh, George Barner saying, "Hey, an understanding of uh sin uh is actually a vital part of having a biblical worldview. Now this is coming from empirical research The third cornerstone The consequences of our sin can only be Forgiven and eliminated Through Jesus Christ That forgiveness is available only By our personal severe uh, Our personal sincere Acknowledgement and confession Of our sins and complete reliance On his grace for the forgiveness Of those sins How true uh, that is So we've got to have an understanding That there is a super. Supernatural God, that He was a God who created, that humanity is sinful by nature, and that uh, uh, Jesus Christ came to deal with the issue of sin. Cornerstone number four was the entire Bible is true, reliable, and relevant, making it the best moral guide for every person. In all situations. Now, this is totally radical for the world which we're which we're living today to suggest that the Bible is true, reliable, and relevant. How important is this uh, this particular foundation? The fifth cornerstone: that absolute moral truth exists, and that those truths are are defined by God, described in the Bible, and are unchanging across time and culture. You know that this. I'll get your comments on this in a minute, David, because I think this is this -hmm. is really huge. Cornerstone six: uh, the ultimate purpose of human life is to know, love, and serve God with all your heart, mind, strength, and purpose. And then Cornerstone seven: success on earth is best understood as consistent obedience to God in thoughts, words. And actions. Now, you know those uh, those cornerstones to me really jumped out at me because I think they are so foundational to the world in which uh, in which we uh, which we do live. Now, of course, this George Barner doesn't come from a set. This is, Run by the Seventh day Adventist Church. It doesn't come from a Seventh day Adventist perspective. Uh, But uh, those, uh, certainly those cornerstones are ones that I can certainly say amen, 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 and amen to because I think they are just so, so important. But uh, at the very conclusion, this is uh, one thing he says currently only 3% of adults adopt all seven cornerstones for their life. 3% of adults. That's not much. According to the American Worldview Inventory 2023, the younger an adult is, the less likely they are to embrace all seven or even a majority of the cornerstones. Amongst adults 18 to 29 years old, just 1% agree with all seven of these core life principles. Only 10% except four, five or six of the seven is valid. Uh, you know that uh, that last statement to me really uh, had things jumping out at me. It really it screams at me this uh, this particular article. Uh, David, look, look. What do you think of these? You know, biblical starting points. You know, are there any that are you know more important than others? Uh,
1: look, I think this is wonderful, Gary. And um, you would like to think that any. Bible-based believing Christian would um, uphold these wouldn't you oh yeah you, would. you and, would and yet what you've just shared with the statistics you know particularly the younger the adult is mm. uh, the the likelihood of them holding ten um, percent except four five or six of these seven is valid mm. it shows that we are living in a time where um the truth as we find it in scripture and the truth about God is under incredible threat and it makes it even more challenging for mm. families, for, for, for people trying to share faith, uh, to, to get a, to get a look in. And, and as I look at this, I mean, the first one, the orthodox biblical understanding of God that, that there is one God that is the creator of all things, the sustainer of all humankind uh, and the universe. And he's omniscient, he's all knowing, he's all powerful and he's all present. Um, he can be anywhere at once. Uh, this is key because, I mean, some of the religions in our country that are on the increase uh, in growth from the twenty twenty one census are those that believe in a, a plethora of deities. Yeah, thousands yeah. of gods. In Indeed. fact, they wouldn't even know how many gods are in their in their religion. So, to to only have one god.
0: Yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a remarkable thing i mean there are only three monotheistic religions in the you know in the entire world christianity is one of those three uh, but the but the remainder are largely polytheistic religions you know david to me as as i look at this i'm saying hey look you know there are some foundations here that uh, I, I i look at um you know myself as a uh, as a church, as a church pastor and as a teacher, and the question I have to be asking is, hey, am I teaching... These foundational core things. It certainly
1: makes you reflect, doesn't it? And, and really challenge yourself. And as I look at number two and number three, number two, all human beings are sinful by nature. Every choice we make has moral considerations and consequences. And number three, I think is tied to that, that the consequence of our sin can only be forgiven and eliminated through Jesus Christ. And, and it goes on a little bit with another sentence or so. So these two are key that you think, um, unless we realize, um, uh, conversion can't happen unless there is conviction.
0: Mm. Uh, uh.
1: And uh, this is what Jesus did with the woman at the well in John 4. He's, he said, go get your husband. She said, I have none. He said, you speak truly. He said, you've had five. You're living with one that's not your husband currently. Mm. She had to be convicted to her being that mm. she was in a hopeless situation. She couldn't save herself. Mm. And this is uh, sin is a dirty word, right? It is. But it is, yeah, everything yeah, yeah. Yep. that embroils and embodies sin is not sinful by society. That's what we should be seeking. Yeah. And yet when we talk about sin and guilt they 're dirty words they 're yeah, harmful they're, they are they are yeah A, and yet these are the, the the foundation stones and he calls them cornerstones mm. for believers and um uh, Pentecost when the believers are cut to the heart the the juice mm. um, they 're cut to the heart they 're convicted mm. uh, Peter tells them he says you know repent and be yeah. baptized yeah. so these this is key and yet when you look at uh, many um and I guess this is uh, an ex- um, uh, what are you? I'm pigeonholing. Yeah. When you look at modern day Tally Evangelists. Yeah. And I'm not going to name the one I'm thinking of, but yeah. when uh, they get on TV, it's all about within. Yeah. You have it within you. You can climb out of this. You have
0: the. You think positive. You talk positive, and you will be transformed. You have the power to be able to well something up within you, and then you can, uh, uh, you know, you can see something positive at the other end. If that were true, we wouldn't need a relationship with Jesus Christ. We wouldn't. His death wouldn't be needed.
1: Exactly. And and then the holding the Bible uh, as relevant and as as applicable and reliable in every situation. Now you try and share that with someone off the street. Oh. That uh, that is anathema, and, and that doesn't that isn't in a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that isn't anathema. How could how could a book uh, of of stories or fables or
0: make believe, uh, you know, in their thinking? Well, one of the things I'm even conscious of, David, is that even within a church environment, the Bible is increasing transition from being a, an authoritative source to being something that is devotional. Uh, in other words, the authority of Scripture, even in church land, is. really really being undercut, it's being undermined by, uh, you know, the, uh, the huge philosophical worldviews that are uh, opposing worldviews that are actually out there today. A-
1: and, and I think this is why Barner is saying that these seven uh, cornerstones or key foundation points, uh, if you don't have the majority, if not all of these um, uh, in, place. in place,
0: you're going to be pulled by the tide of culture. Well, not only that if I'm actually teaching my children because I'm bringing my children up, what is it that I actually want to be able to share with my children so that they have actually established a worldview uh, where uh, the Bible and the role of Christ is central to their to their lives well I think Barner has actually correctly identified seven of the most important uh, aspects and uh, um, yeah and, and Gary uh, you've said
1: that if uh, people look up the Arizona Christian University, and um, look, un- look up the Cultural Research Centre there. This is a vital resource, a foundational tool oh. for families.
0: I- I'm almost tempted, actually, to do an entire week on this particular research because, to me, that's how significant it actually uh, it actually is.
1: And, Gary, I guess I'd also like to say, I agree with you, I'd also like to say that... Um, if if you're um wherever you may be listening as our listeners out there wherever you may be with what church you might be attending or not attending I'd really challenge you to be focused on finding a group of believers yeah. that uphold these seven key principles. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think this is really really key because churches have moved a long way from the word of God but to me I certainly read them and I say yes 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 and I'm I, cuz I was actually reading it very very carefully here and I'm sort of saying can I uphold these seven yeah I can actually no mm. problem at all. Now there are other things I also believe uh, but these seven I certainly would accept uh, are foundational to establishing a uh, a, a worldview that can't be uh, easily undermined
1: you need an anchor you so do. you're not going to blow and, and flail around in the wind or in the, in, the, in the waves of culture and society and having these seven core principles uh, is, is important for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no Look David, we do need to come to some music Because uh, our time is uh, starting to get away from us This is uh, Guy Penrod Uh, Then came the morning And of course these are all Easter themed uh, uh, songs Please enjoy Guy Penrod Then came the morning
2: They all walked away Dearest friend All that he said Now he was dead So this was the way it would end The dreams they had dreamed Were not what they'd seen Now that he was dead the jail the hammer the nail how
0: Guy Penrod, and he's uh, singing. Then came the morning, and of course, uh, this week all our our music is being Easter, uh, Easter themed. Love that uh, that rendition. I really appreciated that. Now, folks, look, we do have a fantastic uh, giveaway gift uh, for you uh, for you this week. Uh, now, this is uh, done by Jack uh, Blanco. Uh, the title of this book is uh, Savior: Four Gospels. One story. Uh, and um, on the back cover, uh, take a fresh look at Jesus Christ, his ministry and his teachings. This is the story of Jesus, the Messiah, God's beloved son. With this simple introduction, the story unfolds. But it's not as you've ever read it before. Now, this uh, this particular book is written in modern language, without the disjointed interruptions of chapter and verse. What Jack Blanco has done has is combined the four gospels into one story. Now, friends, this this book is so good that if I, I actually don't have. I've got a fair few books in my library. This one's not in my library, but I wish uh, and. I'm hoping that my, uh, uh, my boss, uh, Michael over there in, uh, Melbourne is listening to this. I would love to have a copy of this book my, myself, Michael. Uh, this, this is a real little, uh, little ripper. Um, it's written in modern language without the disjointed interruption, uh, of, uh, chapter and verse. This fresh unified narrative merges the four gospel accounts into one. No long genealogical lists, no confuic, Confusing archaic words, just the timeless, captivating story of Jesus, our Savior, for Easter this year, we want to give you uh, this book now. this book is uh, one of the better books that we've uh, uh, we've certainly shared some of our uh, books we uh, that we uh, share are fairly small. This book uh, is uh, just a little bit uh, bigger because it does bring together uh, the uh, the four gospels, Savior Four Gospels One Story. You will love this book. If you want a book for your devotional time, this is the one to grab. You'll love it. Now folks, look, if you would like uh this uh this book Savior Four Gospels One Story, all you need to do is to text us here at Drive Time. Now our text number is 0488 808110488 04-888- 80811 and the code that you need to put in is SA112 no gap between the SA and the 112 just SA112 and that'll go through to our robot and wouldn't you know it they've changed the name of the robot again uh now this is just to confuse people old blokes like uh like me so um he was faithful originally now they went to Pilgrim and now it's gone to Hudson I wish they would stop changing the name of our robot uh but uh but folks, Folks, um, uh, one of our robots will come back uh, to you. He'll like, get a little bit of information off you uh, so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. If you love this uh, this particular book, oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven, 808 and uh, the code is SA111. Uh You'll love this book. Uh, now folks, you are listening to Faith FM uh, Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today my co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Venice Church right here in South Oz and this week we're following an Easter theme. We've called it The Cross Is Not Enough because we wanted to emphasise the importance of the resurrection. Uh, we asked the big Easter questions. Yesterday we, uh, I took the Bible study yesterday, we were uh, dealing with that issue did jesus really exist today did the resurrection really happen and tomorrow does the resurrection matter anyway now uh, this is this is so foundational to our christian faith you know the great apostle paul he said if the resurrection didn't happen then pack up and go home and stop wasting our times uh, but uh, what Paul, what the apostles preached was something that they had seen and heard, something they had touched and tasted, uh, something that they were excited about and uh, David, look, can you just sort of uh, help us out on this one? you know I mean um, uh, the resurrection you know maybe maybe we could start by maybe sharing the story of the resurrection so that we 're all familiar with it we 're all on the same page, and then we look at some of maybe you know did it really happen evidences yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, look, Gary, and we are blessed to have four different accounts, aren't we? We are. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which all give different insights, which make a very rich picture. And, and so perhaps if we were to take the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke, uh, if, we, if we understand Luke at the very beginning of the book, he talks about how he did careful research interviewing various people. And, and so if we go to the book of Luke and if we uh, come to uh, chapter 23, and we pick the story up, or we will pick the story up in verse 42, uh, verse 44 actually. And, and so uh, Jesus is already on the cross and we know, Gary, and, and this has been covered, that um, uh, there is no question by any individual that uh, looks at history yeah. and looks outside of the Bible extra biblical material uh, to be certain that Jesus was, Jesus of Nazareth was a real person uh, he did live, he did claim to he did die on a cross so there, are, there's no question about that for anyone that wants to do research
0: exactly, outside exactly. of the Bible. Yeah, and that was the thing that we actually covered yesterday and you sort of look at the ancient uh, uh, you know, historians, the Roman historians, you know Tacitus, uh, Josephus, uh, you look at the archaeological evidence from the Biblical Archaeological Review. We did all this yesterday, and uh, the thing which uh, uh, came through, certainly in the journal article at the very end, was uh, uh, one of the world's foremost authorities on this subject said, you know, there is no uh, commentator of any repute that any longer doubts the existence of Jesus Christ. Uh, They try to find ways to explain the miracle working power, uh, but his existence is beyond Um, discussion.
1: That's true. So uh, now that that's been established yesterday which is fantastic, we find Jesus on the cross. Here he is at Calvary and um, in verse 44 of Luke 23 it says, now it was about the sixth hour. So this is, um, their their time was I guess from 6am to 6pm, the 12 hour sequence. So the sixth hour makes it midday, what we would Mm -hmm. call midday, 12 noon. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth. Now this is supernatural, isn't it? Yeah. Until the ninth hour, till 3 p.m. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he
0: glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. That's remarkable, isn't it? Uh, actually, you know, before we actually go, you know, here we've got a centurion who is familiar with the process of execution, who's familiar with the, you know, the whole crucifixion uh, scene. He's a specialist. He's a specialist. This is what they're trained to, to they, all the time, thousands of people they crucified. Yeah, yeah. And yet here he's able to look at Jesus and say, there's something special about this man. And Isaiah tells us when
1: uh, you were to look at Jesus, there was nothing that made him stand out from the average judge. From a Mm, physical appearance mm, uh, Isaiah 53 Yeah and so the centurion though says Hey there's something special about this man Yeah Uh, He was a righteous man Certainly this was a righteous man Verse 48 And the whole crowd who came together to that site Seeing what had been done Beat their breasts and returned But all these acquaintances And the women who followed him from Galilee Stood at a distance Watching these things Now of
0: course this is the record of Jesus' death but of course, the question has to be asked: Was he really dead? Well, well, this is, this is what
1: some people say that he, he was wounded and he appeared to be dead. Mm. Uh, because you know they don't believe in the supernatural. And, and you know and maybe we'll address this as we go through, because how could a group of believers that turned the world upside down believe a lie if they knew that he didn't really die, and he managed to stay in the tomb and or they rescued him and stole him out of the tomb and he recovered from his injuries and then claimed to be they they then professed and proclaimed that he was the savior of the world Mm. and that he died and that he rose again how could you do that and sustain that and justify that and then die for that conviction
0: yourself yeah 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 well so, just uh, even if you think of the the injuries that Jesus uh, did actually sustain in crucifixion there were uh, there were many people who died from the floggings that they received far before they even got onto the cross uh, jesus of course is put on a cross he's hung hangs there for uh, Six at least, uh, at least six hours, and then, uh, the, as the story story goes, he's actually uh, speed uh, because they they weren't sure if he was actually dead. So, how did they test it out? That, that, well, we know blood and water came out, don't we? Blood, well, I mean,
1: and, this is the record of the scriptures, you know. It's a, and let's not forget, on his way to Calvary, he was forced to carry a cross. Mm. But it was taken off him at some point Yeah He had been so weakened by the the whipping and and the flogging Yeah Uh, So the cross is taken from him He is then nailed to the cross Yeah And the Romans knew how to draw out crucifixion, didn't they? They To really punish people They did But the Jews didn't want bodies They didn't want them to be left on the cross on the Sabbath, did they?
0: That's right this is remarkable it really is isn't it you know and and so the jews want them taken down before sabbath starts uh but they had to ensure that they were dead now you know uh, the uh people like centurions they when they judged that a person was dead they were in fact dead. He didn't have to second guess and have a
1: second check. These guys are—I wouldn't call them assassins, but they're trained killers. They're trained killers, a- and not only trained—they've got many um, notches in their belt for doing so. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we know that the uh, the other two criminals had their legs broken. Yeah. So they couldn't escape. Mm. Uh, but as you've said, a spear went into his side, mm. and we know from Isaiah that none of his bones and psalms that would would be broken. Mm. So, he was dead, but the other criminals had their, their they were legs broken, so they couldn't escape. Yeah, yeah. So, we then pick up the story. Um, uh, yeah, his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Verse 50 of chapter 23 mm. of Luke. Now, behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. Now, we need to remember this man's a good Jewish man. mm. He's from the council of the Sanhedrin, Mm. a Pharisee, we'd suggest. He had not consented to their decision Indeed, In other words, to put him to death. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before.
0: Mm. Now, this is interesting,
1: isn't it? If you were um, a Christian, an early believer in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, and you were fabricating a story like this, you wouldn't choose an enemy by nature of, of the believers mm. to be the one who who went to Pilate to request his body and
0: put it into your own tomb. There's so much about this story that is just believable because it's so natural. Uh, you know, it hasn't been whitewashed anywhere along the, uh, along the scene. You, you, you're, you're fully correct there. I mean, you wouldn't normally put a person who is on the Sanhedrin in this type of a role. And let's remember, it was this group, the Sanhedrin, which Joseph
1: of Arimathea is a part of, that were the ones that voted that he should die. But the text tells us that Joseph of Arimathea didn't go along with their decision. He did not consent with it. However, it was that group of people, Mm. which he was a member of. Now, as a Christian, as an early believer in Christ, you wouldn't fabricate the people that were responsible for recommending him to die, Mm. and you wouldn't say, well, one of them...
0: Uh, went to Pilate, got his body, asked for his body, took it and put it in a tomb. Doesn't yeah, make sense. Yeah, yeah. It's almost him uh, spiting the uh, the the Sanhedrin. You know, it's it's sort of something he's he's registering, almost registering his disgust at what the Sanhedrin has done through this action, which shows us a beautiful picture. The gospel is not just for one people group. Yeah. Not just for the Jews or any
1: other group. It was for the outs, those mm. that, uh, you know, that the, they despised, if you like. So it goes on, verse 52. This man, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. Now that fulfills Bible prophecy, doesn't it, for the Old indeed. Testament? Uh, that day was the preparation day, and the Sabbath drew near. Now, we're coming up to uh, Easter, aren't we, this week? We are. And um, I I guess as a side point here, but an important one, the Jews considered a particular day of the week the preparation day, didn't they? Mm, That's Friday, we would call it. Friday. Friday. And, of course, Good Friday that that many Christians celebrate and other people uh, appreciate as a public holiday, Good Friday is the day, the celebration of the day that Jesus uh, died. That's great. Or that's right. what people believe the day he died. So that's, that's Good Friday. Mm. So the Bible tells us that's the preparation day. And then it tells us that uh, this day was a preparation day and the Sabbath drew near. The Sabbath is the next day.
2: Yeah.
1: Because we know that, uh, well, from tradition, that Jesus rose and Scripture. The Scripture says he rose on the first day of the week. Yeah, or Sunday. Sunday morning, and we call that Easter Sunday, the day of the resurrection.
0: But to me, it's really interesting here, you know, our verse 56 says, they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they went and rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Here we've got the, uh, these faithful Jewish believers who would not even, uh, uh, bury Jesus in the appropriate manner because they wanted to uh, rest and observe the Sabbath. Um, uh, you know, to me, one of the things that stands out to me is that uh, it's almost as though Jesus rested on the Sabbath day. He
1: in death, in in the sleep of death, he also observed it. He also observed it. Yeah. And and not only that, I mean, if you ever had an excuse for finishing something off. Um, You know, know, Jesus has been wrapped in linen, laid in the tomb. The women come, and it typically was their job, wasn't it, with with the dead, to prepare the body, spices and ointments and all those sorts of things. But um, they they basically um, didn't really get to finish that. Mm. Why? Because they wanted to observe and rest on the Sabbath, uh, reminding them of the Creator God. Mm. and we know that the sabbath is
0: a day of rest for everyone that reminds us of our future redemption as well as the fact that god yeah, is our creator yeah. this is so core this we're going to come to some music right now but you know this is so core to the the, the central beliefs of uh, christianity we will come just later in this program to first uh, corinthians 15 and what paul uh, paul makes a powerful point he he shares and he says hey uh, uh, my friends uh, if the resurrection didn't take place, then please stop your preaching. It's of no value if it didn't occur. But we're going to look for that evidence immediately after our, our break. Uh, let's come to uh, Malita Fong. Uh, this is uh, the song Rise Again. Uh, please uh, please enjoy uh, Malita Fong.
2: my hands, love at me, where you stand, go ahead, and say it isn't me, the day will come, But you will see
0: And that is Malita Fong and the song is Rise Again. I have come to take my people back. Uh, Something very beautiful happened uh, with the coming of Jesus Christ uh, and the sacrifice that he so willingly um, made for uh, for each of us. Now, folks, look, we do have that giveaway uh, book uh, available for you today. It's a real beauty, this one, Saviour. Four Gospels one story by Jack Blanco. This is a compilation of the Gospels. They're all tied together. Uh the stories are listed in a way in which you can read it in a very simple uh English uh, English language um version. Uh, now, uh, uh, this is uh, written in modern language without the disjointed interruption of chapters and verses. It's fresh. It's unified. Uh, the narrative merges the four gospel accounts just into one. And now, folks, look, if you like your own copy of Saviour, four gospels, one story, then all you need to do is to text us. Now, our studio text number is oh four triple eight. Eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven, and the code that you just need to put in there is SA one one two. Just those five digits, SA one one two, and that'll trigger our robot. He'll uh, come back to you and uh, ask you a few questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. It's a real beauty, this book. Uh, I. Uh, uh, I, I love jack Blanco 's uh, work, and uh, it, it is it is so devotional it is something that you can certainly use in your in your devotional time. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. And today our our co-host is Pastor David Butcher. And David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Australia. And this week we're following that uh, theme, The Cross is Not Enough. Uh, And we ask the big Easter questions. Uh, Yesterday we looked at, Does Jesus really exist? Uh, Today we're asking, Did the resurrection really happen? And tomorrow... Does the resurrection matter anyway? Are so key. Now, these questions, they are core to the Christian faith. David, really appreciate what you've been sharing. Bring it all together with us uh, for us. We've got about 10 minutes.
1: So, Gary, we've been uh, reading about Jesus' death, his burial. He was crucified and buried on a Friday. He rested in the tomb on the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, or the Sabbath for all humankind. Yep. Uh, we call that Saturday, the day yep. after Friday. Sunday morning, that, uh, Luke twenty-four one says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, this is Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of Jesus. Mm. So we have a problem. And it says they were greatly perplexed. Yeah, yeah. So we have a problem. Jesus was buried. A stone is put there, a big stone, and a guard is set there. Why? Because the Jewish leaders, and and here is an evidence, the Jewish leaders said this man talked about rising from the dead on the third day. Can we have a guard? These guys are frightened of a dead man. (laughs) Frightened of a dead man, which is this is they're fighting against uh, it's crazy they cannot win even against a dead man and so for me um, the first evidence if you like of Jesus resurrection were his very own words Mm -hmm. he had predicted and prophesied and spoke about the fact that after his resurrection that he would be raised on the third day and and give me one example here and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again Mark eight thirty one, mm. but that happens throughout the Gospels mm. so the Jewish leaders had heard this they say hey give us a guard so his disciples don't come and, and you know claim that some things have happened so a guard is put there seasoned soldiers the women come and the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty. And the soldiers aren't there, yeah, we have a missing piece of evidence, why yeah, yeah. because the evidence is alive <laughs> and um, many verses like that, so second evidence for his resurrection that it being real is that the tomb is empty, yeah yeah, and um,
0: and, and the beautiful thing about that is that it was actually guarded by a centurion and a hundred soldiers, his hundred soldiers. Can you imagine being given that job for the night? Guys, what I want you to do is I want you to go out to the tombstone, where the tombstones are, and I want you to guard a dead man. You know, I mean, can you imagine what the soldiers are saying? And this is a criminal dead man. A a man of little significance, supposedly. Indeed,
1: Indeed. And yet these are seasoned, trained soldiers. Yeah. So we have this issue of, um, uh, of, of, a, of, a, of a body that is missing and we know that when the guards found out um, that uh, Jesus had died... When they found out, sorry, when they found out that the tomb was empty after uh, the earthquake and the angel comes down and the lightning, etc from heaven, the light from heaven, they go into the city. And this is Matthew 28, verse 11 to 13. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders uh, and... Um, the elders uh, consulted together. They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, "Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he- we slept." Mm-hmm. So the soldiers are paid off by the religious Jewish religious leaders to say, "Hey, his disciples came and stole the body mm. they didn 't want the truth to be revealed now, mm. what happened to the body of Jesus? there are four reasons four four scenarios one is his enemy stole the body, mm-hmm. which is ludicrous, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted to know everyone to know he was dead. Yeah, uh, they never claimed to have taken his body or stole his body, um, and. Uh, they, If they had have had the body, they could have produced it to give evidence that he was dead. Exactly. Now, Osama bin Laden, there was all sorts of things. Did he really die? You yeah, know, it wasn't yeah, really him yeah, that got yeah, shot or, yeah, or, yeah. or got killed. When you've got the body as evidence, that's a shut and closed case. Exactly. So his foes didn't steal the body. His friends didn't steal the body. You've got a whole guard there mm. uh, around it. And even if they could have overcome the guards at the tomb, um, how could they then begun to preach with great authority and power that Jesus had in fact been raised from the dead when in actual fact they'd stolen his body?
0: And And the transition that actually took place with these disciples is absolutely remarkable because what you've got is these disciples are hiding in an upper room before the resurrection they're afraid of the jews and yet somehow almost at a moment at a moment's notice there's a twist there's a turn transformation a, a transformation in the disciples these disciples go from being uh, backroom boys hiding away for fear of the jews with the door to, locked with yep. the door locked suddenly going out and um you know having something to preach about something powerful there was something life changing that did actually take place
1: and it's key, Gary, because when you get to the book of Acts, we're talking 50 days, right, after yeah, after the yeah, crucifixion. Yeah. These men put their lives on the line. They say to the Jewish audience there at Pentecost, you were responsible for his death, mm. and yet
0: he's risen from the dead. Yeah. We've seen him. And that was actually the theme of their preaching for uh, certainly the remainder of their lives. You know, they, they, Their core preaching was, this is what Jesus Christ taught, but you put him to death, but... He rose from the dead. Absolutely. So, yeah, really powerful, really
1: powerful situation there. And The other thing was, another scenario could be um, God raised, uh, sorry, another scenario was that um, Jesus was not dead, as we talked about earlier, but only in an unconscious state when they put him in the tomb. He woke up, he removed the stone, overcame the soldiers, vanished from history after a few meetings with his disciples in which he convinced them that he was risen from the dead. Mm. Now, this is ludicrous because, again, we know that the disciples, almost every single one of them, uh, were martyred for their faith. Yeah. We know John, yeah. uh, a tradition says John wasn't martyred. He died of old age. Yeah. But every single one of them was persecuted, including John. Yeah. Yeah. You don't
0: die and live your life for a lie. Exactly. Exactly, and that transition is the thing. You know, continue. I love First John where it talks about the things which we have seen and heard. These are the things which we're declaring to you. The things that we've seen and heard, touched and tasted, mm. We declare to you uh, because uh, we are. We're totally convinced of what it is we've seen and heard and experienced. They've touched him. They've handled him. Indeed. Yeah, uh, Gary.
1: um I guess maybe,
0: I don't know if you want to look now at
1: 1 Corinthians 15. Yeah, look,
0: to, to me, we're going to actually dig into this one tomorrow. My mate uh, Fabiano and Hugh are going to be digging into this passage tomorrow. We'll will we deal um, with it very gently. But... Just you know, to me, I think First Corinthians fifteen, Paul says something very beautiful at uh, uh, verse twelve. Now, if Christ is preached that He's been raised from the dead, and of course that was what was happening, how do some amongst you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes and we're also found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise then Christ is not risen and if Christ is not risen risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ we are of all men most pitiable. Uh, you know to me this is this is actually so uh so powerful this entire passage because what Paul is actually uh sharing is that uh Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead. Just a little bit earlier he uh he talks about the uh, the the disciples having seen uh the uh, resurrected Christ uh and uh, he also talks of over 5 500 people actually seeing the resurrected Christ. And his uh, his argument is, is quite simple. He says, and most of these people are still alive. And if you don't believe me, please go and ask them because they can tell you. And what Paul is doing, you know, to me, the beautiful thing is that in the first century, um, the, the the resurrection was not a faith statement. no. It wasn't. It was a statement of fact. Yep. And, you know, to me, when I realised that, you know, this really did something for me because Christianity is not based on a lie, neither is it based on faith, but rather it's actually based on... And 1 Corinthians 15, Gary, is written uh,
1: 25 years or 24 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And that's why Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15 that many of these 500 are still alive as witnesses this day. Now, the other interesting thing is when Paul writes the book of Corinthians, he's writing to people, Greek people, he's not writing to Jews. Exactly. He's writing to people that thought the resurrection was ludicrous. That's right. And he's almost daring them by saying, you can go check. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that that really gets me here, Paul was breathing murderous threats against Christians. Yeah. And then he meets the risen Christ, Stopped in his tracks on the road to Damascus. Yeah. So Paul's conversion is based around meeting Jesus Christ. And then in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to 17, Paul says, I didn't learn from any earthly scholar, or any earthly man, but from, but from Christ himself, himself yeah, revelation yeah, yeah. of Christ yeah. for himself. So Paul, this greatest New Testament writer and theologian, is the one that comes in so solidly
0: uh, along with the others, uh, as evidence and proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you now. I want to say thank you for sending Jesus Christ. Thank you for what he did for us. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for his life and his death and his resurrection. And thank you, Lord, for what that means for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it uh, uh, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining, Pastor Gary and uh, Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time. Big Q and A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan uh, will be uh, leading, and they'll be looking at the question: Does the resurrection matter anyway? Really look forward uh, to seeing you, but until then, please remember Christ said, "I am leaving you with a gift: peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives." So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.